One of my top five favorite sounds is at the beginning of a rock and roll song. When the drummer, he hits the sticks together and either he or the lead singer goes, one, two, or one, two, three, four. Like, it's so good. It's seriously the best. I love those sticks. I love when they hit them together. It just is so cool. Um, I don't know. I just love drummers and I love that sound. The beat and the sound, it, it's, it's how like my whole being gets awakened. The drums. Unfortunately, I honestly could never be a drummer because I have terrible rhythm. I am always the lady at church who's clapping on the wrong beat. And I'm sure people around me are like, what is wrong with her? But I just can't get it together. But nevertheless, the sound of a drum, it's just the one my soul responds to. When I was a little girl, it was a really rare thing to sleep with my windows closed. Nightly, there was a kind of rhythm and song that occurred, and I was lulled to sleep by it. From 1986 to 1996, I lived in San Clemente, California, a sleepy little beach town barely five miles long and hardly three miles wide. You could walk the entire town in one day, and I did many times. After my mom and dad divorced, my mom moved my brother and I from Inglewood, California, 65 miles south, to start over, <laughs> to recover, and to mend. Uh, no one recovered, and there was no mending. But the sounds that billowed and swelled through the open window, they couldn't offer a new start, but they ushered in a new end to the day. And it was all drums. Every sound that came was a lick on the drum kit. Into the window, the brushes on the snare drum came by way of like the wind just blowing through the palm leaves. They're sharp and long and half of them are dead. So they, they're sort of prickly, but the wind makes them soft. And the flap of my neighbor's battered American flag, like a stick, hitting the tom-tom. A wave crashed on the shore and the bass drum hits low and loud. The cymbals crash with the nightly rolling of the Amtrak train. It is jarring if you're not used to it, but living about a half a mile from the beach, it was expected. And it was a part of the song that played to remind me that the day was over and I could let it all go. And me, I, I played the hi-hat. The sound coming from my body, muted only by my pillow, that I held over my face, was me crying myself to sleep. It was the soundtrack. It was harsh and easy. It was me, and I loved it. My, my home life was hard. And there was a spirit of anger and rage that lived and breathed in my home. The spirit of anger stalked us, and it was stoked by the fire of alcohol. And its partner was a relentless, unquenchable monster of rage. It was punishing, and it was violent. 
So by the time night came, there was a just a relief to be in my room alone, safe until morning. I mean, safe is relative, I guess, but I was safest in the night. And once I was alone with the day's punishings and happenings, my thoughts and my body finally allowed to let down all of its guards. The feelings were overwhelming. And so crying into my pillow became a way to release some of the pressure in my little body that was holding so much. The waves and the wind the sounds in the window just kept coming and they held me in a coda, a repeating drum solo of consistency. And it was the soundtrack to my nightly adventures out at sea. Serendipity was my imagination's way of escape. Serendipity is a character in a children's book written in like 1974 In the book, Serendipity is an oversized pink sea dragon who floated off into the great ocean as an egg and hatched, and she was alone until she met a walrus who taught her to swim and be a part of the sea community. She saved the ocean from fishermen capturing helpless dolphins and sea turtles and gathered the trash that was accumulating in harbors and pushed it back onto the shore. I've read it to my kids. We read it actually quite often. And I'm so aware now of how political it was. But as a kid, all I saw was serendipity, the savior. In my imagination, serendipity, the sea dragon, morphed into serendipity, the purple sea whale. Whales are my favorite creatures. One day I'll swim with them. But back to serendipity. She was the safest and strongest whale in the ocean. And each night I imagined myself sneaking out of my bedroom and walking down to the water's edge. Most of the time she was waiting for me. And sometimes I would loudly whisper her name. Serendipity, where are you? She would appear and lower her tail to the shore and I would walk up her back and sit right next to her spout. Her back felt like a bed of pillows, and everything was possible when I was with her. She made a place for me, and as soon as I crisscrossed my legs and leaned back into her, she would swim away. We left the shore. We left the beach that connected to the El Camino Real, which connected to the Arco gas station parking lot and the DMV parking lot. When we left the shore, we were leaving my house on Via Montego, and maybe... I would never have to return. Serendipity and me headed out into sea. Our favorite place was an island that only we knew about. Once we were there, I would climb down and perform shows on the sand for her. I would sing and dance, perform plays, and she would blow her water out of her spout to applaud. Sometimes, though, we would not go to the island. We would just swim and she would quietly glide through the blue water. And I would lay on her back, and I would cry. Her skin just absorbed my tears. And when I yelled and kicked, she absorbed that too. There was really nothing she could not hold for me. And I would wear myself out on those days. And I would fall asleep on her back and wake up in my bed in the morning. In really 
hard seasons and on really dark nights that felt too dark to contain any light. She would take me under the water. The deeper she went, the more I was released from having to hold on to her. And instead, she held on to me. Under the water, the pressure dynamics changed and like the release valve of my body was able to be fully exhausted and exhaled. The fury of my feelings would come out of me and and no matter how violent those feelings were, they would come out of me like soft bubbles. The more I exercised my torment and hurt, the more effortless and light those bubbles became. They glowed and the deep, dark water, it was just illuminated. It was lit up, lit up by my primal liberation of pain. I loved being under the water with her. It is the safest place I have ever been in my entire life, in the present or in my dreams. She never, ever brought me back to shore. But I always woke up in my bed, eyes puffy, sometimes even a sore throat, but filled with undeniable hope. As I became an adult, I obviously understood more about who God is for me. And I knew with everything in me that serendipity was actually the Holy Spirit. The siren song on the wind and waves, I am totally sure was actually the angels playing in a killer drum circle. And I know Jesus was composing the whole thing, a way of delivering hope to his weary daughter. As an adult, I, I have longed to connect to the scriptures the way I did to serendipity. I wanted to feel a connection to the word of God and have a tangible encounter with those words and his thoughts. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes getting into the Bible is hard. I want it to captivate me the way movies do or a good album does. I want to read it and just like instantaneously understand the mysteries of the universe and somehow be magically closer to God and free from all my human problems. Maybe that's just me and you read the Bible and all of these things just happen. But I have had to cultivate and to discipline myself and to practice different things, practice different ways of diving into the Bible. Sometimes I just read it. I don't dig deep. I don't do any word studies. I just read it because it's truth. And I want my mind and my soul to be filled with truth. Other times I sense God has me sticking to one passage And reading anything else just doesn't seem fruitful. I think it was about six months that I read Isaiah 54 every single day. And it was all I read. I didn't read anything else. I just read the one chapter. It's a chapter that now I feel belongs to me. It's my promise from the Lord. And I reread it so often. And I remind myself of what he says about me and my future. Obviously, you can do an actual Bible study and get into all the Greek and Hebrew and discover the mystical Jewish language. 
and actually fall in love with it because it's brilliant. It is brilliant. But the way that I have found truly the most fruitful for me is to imagine myself in the scripture. And the Psalms are a great place to start. Well, I started in the Psalms. <laughs> um, so maybe it's not a great place to start for you, but it was a great place for me to start. Maybe because I think I felt a kinship to David. We both like music. We're both super dramatic. Uh, we're both good at making massive messes of our lives and God still meets us. I barely had to flip my Bible open before I started just reciting Psalm 23. I mean, everyone knows the Psalm, right? I spoke it out loud and I noticed words I hadn't before when I read it. So I did it again and again, and then I did it again, more new thoughts and pictures. Then I sang it, which I won't sing it now, but just, just as an offering, sometimes like I sing the scriptures to a song I already know, and it's brand new. Like you see the words fall on a note that lingers, and all of a sudden you're looking at the word differently. The song swells on a part of a verse that you never really held a lot of tension in, and all of a sudden there's this just new way of hearing the Bible. In my relationship with God, he he's built a history with me, and he's done the same with you, whether you're aware of it or not. God is not trying to trick you. He, he really isn't. But for me, story and poetry and songs, they catapult me into experiencing God in my mind. I'm a, I'm a seer. I'm someone who sees in pictures. So when I hear something, I see an actual picture of it in my mind. It was like that for me in school. Even when I um, was learning math, I would just see the math in my mind uh, instead of writing it down. But I would hear it audibly and then I could see it. This may not be how you hear God best, but he can still speak to you in this way. I mean, we're complex, brilliant beings made in the image of the Trinity. So even if it's not the way you hear or it's not your strength, you can still practice it. My imagination is one of my greatest strengths. And I'm pretty sure it's probably yours too. God is so creative. He thinks way outside the box and he's made us just like him. So when I discovered how he spoke to me through his scriptures in this way, I was totally stoked. I pressed into more and more. And our imagination is just one of the ways that God speaks to us and connects us to his will and his word. I believe God's word is an invitation to experience him, to experience his presence. And it honestly just takes practice and becoming the most inquisitive person ever. But God loves good questions, so it all works out. I'm going to walk you through Psalm 23. But before that, here are just a few truths to keep yourself tethered to. Okay, here's number one. John 10, 3. You can hear God's voice. He is speaking to you. I believe that so passionately. I don't know if you can hear this on the podcast, but I'm like pounding on my leg. Um, 
it just is such an incredible thing that the God of the universe not only speaks to us, but he says we know his voice. I mean, you know his voice. He says you know his voice. That is so awesome. Number two, Romans 8.1. His words have no fear or shame or condemnation attached to it. It says there is no fear or condemnation in Christ Jesus. So if you hear or see or feel something that is full of fear or shame, I would really question that pretty intensely, if not totally dismissing it completely. Number three, first John chapter four, the whole chapter, God, he's love and his words are coded with love. He leads with love. He's inviting you into love. This is a good check as you walk through the scripture. Guys, God is, God is not hiding from you. I promise you that. He is inviting you into a fresh encounter with him. Okay, so I'm going to read Psalm 23 like three times. And before each time I read it, I'm going to prompt you with some questions. You may forget some of the questions. Don't worry about it. This is a relationship between you and God. My questions are not the right questions. They're just the ones I start with. But lean into how you talk to God. Feel free to totally ignore my prompts and just have the conversation you need to have with Jesus. After I read it, I'm going to be silent for a minute or two and let you sit in what God is revealing to you. As we're doing this, God may speak to you with pictures, colors, smells may come to your heart and mind. Um, You can see pictures like a movie playing in your mind, or you may even see words just show up in your imagination. Lean into that. Continue to ask the Lord what he is trying to reveal. You know, in a way, Psalm 23 is a story that we all sort of cycle through in our lives and you cycle through it over and over again. You may be at one place now and a new place next month and then in two years be back at the same place. But guys, this is all okay because no matter where you are, God's with you. So you're where you need to be. All right, I'm going to pray. Hi, God. (laughs) I love you. I am so excited for what you're about to release and reveal. Right now, I ask that you would consecrate our minds, that you would consecrate our imaginations. I pray for your angels to hold in, in place a spiritual boundary and an actual safe spiritual space where the enemy cannot interject or participate. I ask God that your Holy Spirit would cover every mind that is listening, every ear that is listening, that your Holy Spirit would actually baptize the airwaves so there's no interference and there's a purity in the experience. Jesus, I ask that you would show up in the most present and deeply intentional way and God, even though I'm asking it, I already know the answer is yes, I know you will. I ask that all of your children hearing this would be wildly aware of your presence and your delight in them. You are so brilliant, God. I love you. Amen. As I read the psalm, ask God, 
What verse, what sentence, what part of the scene described are you presently in? In this present season of your life? And once you know where you are, pay attention to what it feels like. Are you comfortable? Are you excited? Are you sad? And look to see where Jesus is in the scene. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I read it again, ask the Lord, what are you doing in that location? What is he doing? What is he looking at? Ask him what vantage point he wants you to look from. What is he making important about that scene? What colors are there? What do those colors mean to him? What do they mean to you? What does it smell like? Is it familiar? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
as I read this one last time. Ask the Lord, what aspect of you, God, am I missing? And what do you want me to discover about you in this place? Is there something you're wanting me to leave in this place before we move on to another? What part of your character are you wanting me to fully immerse myself in? What part of your goodness do you want me to hold on to? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What are you aware of right now? Inside your mind or your body? Maybe you're aware that God has been speaking to you for a long, long time. Maybe there are some stories you've believed about your life that God wants to illuminate his presence. Maybe he even wants to retell the story with where he was and what he was doing. I do this actually quite often with the Lord, and I cannot tell you how many times he has healed a broken piece of my story just just by going back and looking at it with his presence, asking him where he was, what I was missing, and maybe this feels too heavy to do alone. Um, I have done this with a safe and trusted group of friends who can hold space for me and who will tether me to the truth when I start believing something that is off uh, or just totally untrue. Um, I've done it with my husband and I totally do it in therapy. Uh, I, I know that there are some stories that are really hard and Sometimes we're stuck in a place that we don't know how to get out of. And I hope that this exercise allows you to ask God to enter that space. That you can invite God into that space, just like he's inviting you into his word. This is a relationship you have with him. It's not one-sided. He wants to be involved in your life and he wants you to be involved in his I haven't dreamt of serendipity in probably over a decade because now when I need some comfort and some saving, I just picture myself crawling up on Jesus's lap 
And for me, he's always wearing a big red zip-up hoodie sweatshirt. He lets me climb inside and zips me up. I get to decide how much I want to see. I get to decide how much I want to be present. And once I'm there, I know I'm safe because Jesus is safe. And even though I don't always know where we're going, I can trust that he does. And if I am honest, (laughs) I always get a big smile on my face when he starts walking and I hear the click. Because I do. I hear it. The click of the drumsticks. Because I know I am in for an adventure. Guys, this is so much fun for me. I love sharing these stories. I love talking to you. I pray you are blessed. I pray you encounter his presence. I pray you know the nearness of God. I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon.